All right, welcome into another episode of the Bad Movies Worst Opinions Podcast, where we believe that everybody has a favorite bad movie. The only rule is we only watch movies that are rated below a 6.0 on IMDb. Today, we have welcomed back Aaron Ladd. He was on our first episode. He is now joining us for our 15th episode to review the 1996 comedy hit, The Nutty Professor. Aaron, how you feeling, man? Uh, it's good to be back. I mean, I didn't soil myself too badly on the first one, and here we are, ready to rock. I, I, I told you on the way, and I truly did not want to watch this movie. Well, I don't have Rob today. Rob is out looking for wedding venues, so I needed somebody to watch this movie. He's also out of town next week, so it basically was either you or we weren't going to have a podcast. So you know what? I called you off the bench here. That means you a know lot. the podcast. You know the format. It's time to go. The Nutty Professor is a 5.5 on IMDb. This movie had a budget of $54 million and made $274 million at the box office. This movie was a phenomenon when it came out in the mid-90s. We'll talk about how it maybe hasn't held up 20 years later. It hasn't so. held up. You but we're talking about a 1996 <laughs> Jada Pickett. Was probably at her peak. Eddie Murphy was red hot for about 10 years now at that point. This was a monster back in 96. That's really what this is. This is Eddie's Eddie Murphy's crown jewel. This is him playing multiple different roles in the same movie. This is Murphy mania, if you will. He goes on the run after this. There were sequels of this movie made, C-Dot. It, it was a phenomenon. And yes, we're looking at it a few years later and maybe picking at it a little bit, but you can see why it, people gravitated to it, especially because of Eddie Murphy's performance. The cast of this movie, Eddie Murphy is Professor Sherman Clump, also Buddy Love. Jada Pickett is Miss Purdy, Carla Purdy. That's basically the main characters of the movie. Like, maybe you could say Dave Chappelle, who is Reggie Warrenson, who is certainly a major part of this. You've got the Dean. You've got Jason, who becomes a major character in the second half of the movie. This movie is just Eddie Murphy, Jada Pickett, and the various characters that Eddie Murphy plays. It's his one-person show, one-man band he shows. And, and that was kind of transformational at the time. Of course, every time I do this pod, I do my research. But him playing all those roles at the same time and being in the same scene, you know, that was, I don't want to say ahead of its time, but it was something different. It was something unique. It was something that maybe comedy audience hadn't seen at that time. And it was refreshing for that audience at that time and a different voice for, for comedy. The plot of this movie, a grossly overweight yet good-hearted professor, Sherman Clump, takes a special chemical that turns him into the slim but yet obnoxious Buddy Love. This movie was released June 28th of 1996. The box office, The Nutty Professor, debuted at number one with $25 million. The Eraser was number two. The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Its second week in the theater at $14.3 million. Strip tease. This was its first week in the theater. What a week at the movie theater. You can see Nutty Professor, Hunchback of Notre Dame, Strip tease. And also The Rock was number five. Mission Impossible was number six. The Cable Guide, number seven. And Twister, number eight. What a week at the box office. Perfect opening week for, for Nutty Professor. And they come in with a, a big impact to... He's a pun there. This movie starts with Lamb Perkins getting us into shape to kick off the movie, and we meet our hero, Sherman Clump. All of a sudden, hamsters are on the loose, and they have taken over the, ca the campus at Wellman College. We learn that Sherman Clump is putting together something that will change the DNA molecular structure that will help people lose weight. I think the hamster scene perfectly kicks off this movie, and if you find the hamster scene very funny, you will find this movie to be very funny. I wasn't a huge fan of the hamster scene, 
Now going back and watching this movie, I didn't love this movie the way I maybe thought I did 10, ah. 15 years ago. I thought the hamster scene was a little bit over the top. It, it This movie drops you right into what its big comedy selling points are, right? Like, they're going to make the dick jokes. They're going to make the fat jokes. They're going to make these... They, they use these as crutches throughout. They establish right away uh, the fat jokes. Like, it... I went a very long time without laughing in this movie. And, of course, I took notes. I marked down exactly what had happened. It took a while for me. Yeah, I mean, I thought the hamster scene was just mildly funny. Like when the hamster goes up the guy's leg and it moves a little bit and the girl kind of looks at him a little bit when the hamster goes in the mouth. Like, I got a chuckle out of that. There were some scenes that I got a chuckle, but I would have, if you had asked me, let's say, a year ago, hey, what's my professor? Oh, that's a classic. Oh, that's, that's a great 90s comedy. I didn't get that mm. feeling when I went back and watched it again and just kind of watched it through a modern lens. Is it a classic because of the characters or is it a classic because of the plot? I would have considered this movie to be a classic because of how big it was and the cultural impact. And we'll talk about it. The scene at the dinner where he is playing four or five different characters and just having the ability to, you're Sherman Clump, you're also your mom, you're also your dad, you're also the grandmother who was incredibly hilarious, you're the creepy brother. Like to have that comedic range to be able to do all of that and how seamlessly it is. Like, I kind of think of the dinner scene in such high regard that I kind of remember the movie as being the dinner scene. The movie is not the dinner scenes. That kind of whitewashes or washes out all the the other parts that just kind of lag along. And there were some just really lazy storytelling devices. Like, it seemed like the workout video was the way that they moved the story from point A to point B. It, and it's not a classic, in my opinion. Did you pick this movie because it was a classic? I mean, I thought it was. So when I saw Nutty Professor was under uh, 6.0, I'm like, oh, we got to watch Nutty Professor. Let's re-review it. No, I came away with the same conclusion that you did. So the dean is not happy about the hamster outbreak, which causes the program to lose funding. There is only one booster left. And now Sherman Clump must knock out this opportunity or that's his job. Back in the classroom, we meet Carla Purdy, who is a big fan of Sherman Clump's work. I kind of forgot how fine Jada Pickett was. That's established right away as well. I kind of forgot how fine Jada Pickett was. Because up until this point, I don't think she's ever looked this good. Like, she doesn't look this good and set it off. I'm going to let you comment on, on, on women's looks. I'm here reviewing the movie. <laughs> I'm going to let Will and, Smith hear the pod <laughs> and, and, and smack you up one good time. I'm here reviewing the movie, and the movie is based off of, yo, Carla Purdy is fine, which gets Sherman Clump to act irrationally because of the beauty of the woman. From, from the first meeting, it, it's established that He's into her. She's into him. You can tell there's a little chemistry right away. And he's clumsy. Clump is clumsy. Yes, he's nice. Yes, he's a good guy. Um, you kind of, they're establishing him as the nice guy and the protagonist. And you're rooting for them right away to get together because you can feel kind of the chemistry right away. And you feel bad for the kids in the class picking on him and the shirt wiping off the chalkboard. Like You would have laughed at that as a college student. As a college student, in if you were a teacher, yeah, you would have laughed. In 96, yeah. That's what I was thinking. And I wrote that down as well, like, does a classroom respond the same way now to some of Sherman's antics? Do they, like, laugh out loud the same way they do now? Like, this movie has aged in a, in a way specific to, like, how our 
You can't body shame in the way that you could in 96. I think that's the best way to put it. Exactly. That the the entire concept of the movie is, yo, look how fat this dude is. And (laughs) relentlessly mocking it. Like, I love Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Center of the jokes, if Will towards Uncle Phil is, yo, you fat. You're big. Like, like, that just can't be the foundation of your comedy in in 2023. And Sherman kind of, I know we're going to get to the the scream scene and all that, but he kind of, he understands where he's at. Like, early in the film and... Going back to the hamster scene when he kind of hits the hits the button that lets the gate down and all the hamsters go wild, he kind of laughs off the fact that, yeah, I'm a bigger guy and these kind of things just sort of happen. The gumballs thing, like, oh, my, my students love that kind of thing. He's kind of in on the joke or is at least welcoming the people laughing at him for a while until it turns. But I actually thought, though, like the movie did a really good job of, yeah, I'm big, but I want to do something about it. And I don't think the movie maybe intended to do this as much, but, like, kind of watching it through, like, it showed the cycles that people that struggle with weight potentially go through. Hey, I'm willing to work out because I want to do this. Next thing I know, something happens that ruins my self-confidence, so now I'm back in this same place. Like, I thought the movie actually really did a good job of kind of showing the highs and lows of Sherman's weight loss journey. And then at the end, you know, to bring it full circle, I don't think you can really spoil this movie. In the end, it's like I have to learn to accept myself and who I am. This is probably who I'm always going to be. I'm never going to be as small as Buddy Love. But I can live a healthier life. I can be happier with who I am. I thought the movie actually did a good job with that With that message. Exactly. You could tell that somebody maybe consulted on that. He eats at at each point of emotion, right? Like early in the film, he's wanting to feel better about himself. He's watching the workout video, and then he's eating. Uh, there's a bad date, and then he's eating to kind of bring him comfort. He's extremely happy when he's buddy love, and then he starts eating again. He's talking to everybody about how thin he is. Eating brings him comfort. It brings him happiness. It, 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 there are real themes in there of people who struggle with, and I thought about, you should probably bring somebody on this pod specific to this movie who has either dealt with this or has expertise in this area because while it is kind of, problematic in how they present some things there are real ways in how they try to conquer this and show what uh what sherman was going through so after we meet miss purdy next up to me we get the most iconic scene of the movie the dinner scene mike douglas oh mike douglas you know mike douglas used to make me moist when i watch the show i would get i omit it i would get moist when i watch the show only white man ever did that to me was mike douglas i would like to volunteer to take this old bird out of her misery Jesus. Don't you dare say something like that about Monk. Oh, no, oh, you ain't got to protect me from Cleese. Come on, Cleese. Come on. Come on over here. Come on in there. Anyway, show walk. Come on over. Then, then uh, you're going to limp back. You walk over, but you're limping back. Now, don't don't let the gray hair fool you. I ain't no easy win, nigga. You know what your problem is? It don't work out. Got exercise. Look at me. That's all muscle. Oh, you fat. I'm muscle. Oh, my little Bill. He's a little Hercules. Show me muscle again. Oh, Hercules, Hercules. What was your favorite line of the dinner scene? Because to me, the first dinner scene is way better than the second one. Whenever the grandmother says to the dad, you're going to walk over, but you're going to limp back. That shit is hilarious to me. Like, that is still funny to this day when they do the Hercules, Hercules, Hercules. Like, this scene... Like, there's a lot of things from this movie that doesn't hold up. This dinner scene, that five minutes, the first one, absolutely holds up. Really? It's good. My favorite line from it is, asses are just big in our family, right? <laughs> like, he kind of just describes, and I even wrote down on, on my notes that the bad eating habits that Clump has are kind of hereditary. You can see it. Like, he's talking about his nephew, and his nephew's right across the table. And, of course, they're all farting and doing all the whatever. 
Um, but it, it, Sherman gets a lot of what his his relationship is with food from his family. They had this big meal every time that every time it's Sunday dinner, and they talked about you know back when I was growing up, Sunday dinner was a big family thing, and that's what we did. So Sherman Clump gets up the courage to go ask Miss Purdy on a date, and she agrees. This gives Clump the motivation to work on his weight, and we get a workout montage. It's Friday night, and it's date night at the Scream Comedy Club. Montel Jordan is there. We don't give something for the honeys nearly enough love. I get it. This is how we do it is his big song. I'm much In 2023, I'd much rather hear something for the honeys out there here. This is how I'm tired of this is how we do it. That is Shark Bar music. That is Westport music. That is that an is, all-timer, I'm though. tired of this of This is how we do it. It actually made sense in this movie because it was actually Friday night. It's 1996. Mm. Montel Jordan People there. People just got paid. Yeah, you in L.A.? <laughs> cool. I get that. I don't got no issues with that. But, yeah, like, I'd much rather hear something. We don't get enough something for the honeys these days. Montel Jordan actually performed at my high school. I went to a Christian high school for two years, ninth oh, wow. and 10th grade. And, you know, he's kind of gone through, like, a career rejuvenation where he's, like, a Christian artist now. The first 20 seconds, he plays the drop to This Is How We Do It. So everybody's going nuts, right? Everybody thinks that he's about to drop his biggest hit, Word to See Dot. And then he switches it up and plays like his Christian music and everybody. Just, what a pump it's just, fake. It's just destroyed. What a pump but fake. But that was, that, was that was the peak. And I think that established a lot of this. A lot of the parts of this movie were so 90s, like the workout scenes, the trampoline stuff. And then when he gets thin, he wears like the spandex thing. Like I thought having Montel Jordan in the screen, that just screams like literally 90s peak. We also get Dave Chappelle is there as AKA Reggie Warrenson. And as he goes into his routine, he starts to pick on the crowd and eventually his jokes turn to our hero, Sherman Clump, his date and his weight. It's a full moon tonight. <laughs> I think I found what I hear, Jimmy Hoffa. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a good one there. Oh, boy. You got more crack than Harlem. Look at that. <laughs> boy, so fat every time I turn around, it's his birthday. You got to put his belt on with the boomerang. <laughs> uh, okay, all right, man. All right, that's it. You got me. Oh, no. No, I ain't got you yet. Should I get him? Should I get him? Oh, look at this. Is with a woman, too. Oh, no. Who is sucking whose titties over him? I have always hated comedians that do this. Like, this is the big reason why I don't really like D.L. Hughley. Like, if you go back and you watch Kings of Comedy, D.L. Hughley does a set. And then for about 30 minutes, he just starts picking people in the crowd and making fun of them. To me, that's just not comedy. Like, if you're if you're a person that can do jokes for a living, yeah, it's easy to look at somebody's hat and say, hey, look at her hat, ha, ha, ha. Like, that's just not a really good routine to me. Like, Reggie didn't have a routine. Reggie had women be shopping. Everybody agrees women be shopping. And now <laughs> let me look around at the crowd. Let me point at this one dude. And let me just constantly make fun of him. That's not the sign of a good comedian to me. You talked about the ebbs and flows of Clump's relationship with food and exercise. I thought, you know, he's kind of nervous when he asked when he asked Carla out. He's like, oh, you know, it would be cool if maybe if you weren't doing anything. No confidence there. The exercise and that whole montage gives him so much confidence. He's over the moon. He's in the middle of the campus doing the rocky steps. Like, he's full of it. And you can just see it deflate. 
as the comedian picks on him specifically. And I, like I said earlier, he laughs originally. You know, he's like, he bent over and he said full moon joke, and he understands that that's, like, that's part of what his act is. But then it just goes on and he on. He kept and, cooking him at that and point. And then he looks around at the crowd, and then, and then the part of it where Reggie's like, you know, y'all want me to keep going. Y'all want me to really get him. And he feels everybody in that room kind of eyeing on him. I think that's where the confidence is just zapped immediately. This is where I actually think it was some of the best acting from Jada Pinkett, like as good as you can be in this scene. She legitimately looked mad. Like that's the same look we saw at the Oscars. <laughs> and just like you could feel the level of uncomfort there. Absolutely. Hey, you agree to go with this dude. You know that he's a bigger dude, but he's a nice dude. And he you had to kind give... of squeeze through the table yeah. and that kind of established that. Like, yeah, of You kind of want to give him a chance and all of a sudden now you're the center of the joke. Like who's sucking whose titties? Like I didn't sign up for this. I signed up to watch the show, not be in the show. That's my philosophy when it comes to comedy. I love going to the improv. I did not come here. I didn't come here to tell you where I work. I didn't come here to answer any questions. I came here to let you tell jokes and for me to laugh at the jokes. I did not sign up to be an accomplice to your stand-up routine. It's a little lazy. And and when comedians do it, maybe it's sometimes it could be a bridge to the rest of your routine. But if you give us 30 minutes of you ragging on the crowd, what is this, wilding out? I mean, come on. Be better. Be a professional. As the date ends, Miss Purdy tries to console Sherman at the end of the day, but the damage has already been done. Now he's back at home feeling sorry about himself. When he makes the decision to use the DNA experiment on himself, it works, and Buddy Love is born. This was one of my least favorite scenes in the movie. The Godzilla scene, to me, is just not that funny. I actually dislike this scene, so there's actually a sketch in Chappelle's show I've seen that, that is based off the Godzilla. Yeah. That is just one of the least favorite skits. Like, I don't, Godzilla parodies and jokes to me have just never really been that funny. I've never really enjoyed them. He then farts. He then reaches through the glass to get the little chicken wing. I, I just, th- this part of the movie, this was one of the few parts of the movie I kind of rolled my eyes and was like, this isn't funny to me. This was the first time that I laughed in the entire movie. And it wasn't like an out of Warriors laugh. Just kind of chuckled because it was so absurd. Like, I'm thinking of them filming this scene and like going through, okay, well, this is where Godzilla farts and we're going to get all of the all the tables and stuff out of the way. Like, it was just so comically it was so comically out there, and it was such a big leap from where the jokes were previously. Like, the jokes were inside of the plot previously. This was kind of this dream sequence absurdity. I, I, I thought it was a different change of pace, and it did get me to chuckle. We get another workout and a food montage. I thought we went to this well a little bit too many times. I thought we went to the well, to your point, you use Lance Perkins and the television as a vehicle to kind of push the movie forward. You just couldn't tell the story good enough then. Like, if you got to take three or four of these intermissions to tell your story, then you're not doing a good enough job kind of interweaving it over the course of the movie. I thought we got one too many on the couch, commercial, I'm sad, I'm eating, now I'm getting back into it. I thought they went to that scene. Like, you had done a good job the first time with him doing the workout. One hand on you, one hand on you. You didn't need to keep going back to that well. It's a lazy storytelling device. We've all done it. This movie, I could sure, I'm sure the theater was like, yeah, we need to get in and out in 90 minutes. I don't care how y'all do it. Figure it out. And this is kind of how they trim time off of, of a big runtime and move the story along. Miss Purdy comes to check on Sherman and Buddy Love is there, but Sherman is gone. While asking Miss Purdy out, the experiment is wearing off. But they have a date set up. We got another date night at the Scream. It's a Friday night, and this time it's Buddy Love and Carla. Is Carla wrong for going out with Buddy Love? Absolutely. I wrote that down right Nasty away. Nasty behavior. Jada homie hopping already? After a week.
couple things from this whole scene in this part of the movie. He is so happy to be thin. He cannot stop saying, I'm thin, I'm thin, I'm thin, I'm thin. He still eats. He still he still gorges himself, like, because the eating is attached to all emotions. It's not just sad, like we saw earlier. We saw it was happiness, too. It's happiness, too. And even though he is Buddy Love, and we find out later kind of what that relationship is like, him being thin does not bring the happiness right away that, that we thought it that he thought it would bring, or maybe the audience thought it would bring as well. Yeah, I mean, I did think it was interesting how, despite being thin, he just ate how he normally would exactly. eat. Exactly. Because he knew there was now no penalty to it. Like, when he was a bigger guy, you knew you couldn't eat and eat and eat because obviously it has a negative effect. But now you got the cheat code. You got the little drink. You can instantly be thinning, and now you can just do whatever you kind of want to do. And he certainly celebrated that. Also, as a scientist, you just go from – Lab rats right to yourself? There, there, there's no in-between? No in the middle. You, you don't maybe put like, oh, let's try a pig or, or <laughs> well, let's try something that's like medium size. I like, mean, he never, the funny thing is he never even really tries it on Shelly. Like, it's not like he gives Shelly, sees Shelly get really small. Like, Shelly is just fat the there, entire movie. There was like minimal progress, really, like him and Jason, and I even commented in my notes like, Professor Clump is not very much a professor. Like, he definitely slacks. I feel like Jason was more so the professor, but, like, he saw a little progress in Shelly and immediately went, oh, well, it's time to just do it on myself. So Buddy is trying to create attention during Reggie's routine, and, well, he gets what he wants, and Reggie notices. But this time, Buddy Love is the one that flips the scripts and gets everyone to make fun of Reggie. It's so funny the way you take a person's personal defect and flip it around. That's like you pick somebody in the room and say, hey, look at your foot. And everybody look at it and start laughing. That's some funny shit, man. You on your way. You going to the top. You the next Lenny Bruce, man. That's crazy. Well, man, thank that's you. Thanks very much. I'm glad you appreciate Reggie's show. That didn't even work with me doing it to you, Reggie. Yes, it would if I was saying, look at Reggie's gums and teeth. Look like his mother had an affair with Mr. Ed. <laughs> See, everybody's laughing. Because they can visualize your mother in the barn with Mr. Ed and him talking about, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Look what I'm doing, Wilbur. Look at me. You snapping on me. Oh, oh, you snapping on Reggie. It's your teeth, Reggie. I don't know whether to smile at you or kick a field goal, man. <laughs> hey, Reggie, it's good. It's all good. And man, what's wrong with that breath? I can smell it over here. Reggie, your breath is so stink, people look forward to your fart. Oh. Oh. smell like shit, Do you smell shit? I smell shit. I think there are two or three, like, classic scenes in this movie. I think the dinner scene is iconic. A classic, Absolutely. rewatchable scene. I think when he goes back to the stand-up club, and is laughing really hard to get everybody to pay attention because he eventually wants Reggie to stop and acknowledge him in the crowd. He wouldn't have made fun of him if he had just kind of been quiet. So of he's course. going over the top to get him. I think that back and forth for about six minutes when he goes up on the stage and they get in the fight, I think that's an all-time scene. Like I I guess in me, I really remembered all the great stuff I liked about this movie. And I, I, just had, I just hadn't watched it from start to finish. <laughs> And I had just forgotten all the bridges and avenues to kind of get to the scenes that I really love. I didn't love this scene as much. I, this is where Buddy Love and his what they call testosterone overload or overdose. This is where it started to wear on me as a viewer because it was just too. It was Eddie Murphy being over the top Eddie Murphy. And I can see the theater also saying, hey, we have Chappelle in this movie. 
We have Eddie Murphy in this movie. We want them both on stage kind of doing like a comedy-esque thing at one point. And that's kind of what they gave us. It wasn't true Chappelle and how we know and see him today. Um, but you could see where they want these two comedy giants sharing the stage at the same time. And you get this kind of redemption from Clump as Buddy Love and... He gets his clap back at the at the comedian who picked it. Up. Yeah, I actually think it was a good use of both of their abilities. Like, if this is how you're going to use Chappelle, he's going to be the over-the-top mean comedian. You know Eddie Murphy, comedy legend, maybe the greatest comedian alive. Yeah. I thought it was a good use of both of their abilities and a fun scene, I thought, for the movie. So Buddy Love gets his revenge, and now he is the man. And as he and Miss Purdy get closer, the experiment wears off again, and now Buddy has to leave. This is when Jason finds out about the experiment the that he's been card, using. Yeah. yeah, he's been using it. So Sherman Clump has yet another chance to save the science department in a meeting for the grant money. Jason, one of Clump's students, the guy who saw, talks to him about the dangers of being Buddy Love. Clump goes back to talk to Purdy about the date with Buddy Love and ask her to come to his family's house for dinner. Ain't nothing wrong with admiration. Don't be ashamed. Admiration is beautiful. When I was young, I used to always have relations every night. If a nice gentleman bring me flowers and candy, take me to a movie, show me a lovely evening, then I would take him home and give him hot, lovely relations. Relations is a beautiful thing. It's nothing to be ashamed of, especially to young people. I think that, that's it's your way You know, sometimes when I'm alone, I relate to myself. I can relate. <laughs> I thought the second dinner scene wasn't as good as the first dinner scene. The first dinner scene I thought was really, really funny. I think it's a lot going on whenever Miss Purdy is there. That's funny. Like the, I like to have relations with myself. That was the I, line that stood out to I me. I thought it was funny. I thought it was, it was the relations. It was the family already moving to the fact that they're getting married. It's the uncles hitting on Jada Pickett while she's there. It's Jada Pickett's uncomfortableness. I thought this scene was way more chaotic than the first one. It's kind of like you were saying earlier. Once we've seen this device or this like storytelling device in the movie already, it doesn't hit the same. Or we've we've already experienced that. We've kind of laughed at that kind of situational humor already. Would have never invited a girl I'm interested in this early to to dinner with family. That and family, I, especially. Especially. This ain't like, like everybody else's family. Clump is still kind of in this range, too, where he's like, Dealing with, oh, do I want her to like me as Buddy Love or do I want her to like me as Sherman Clump? He's still kind of saying, oh, no, I'll talk to Buddy for you. And he's playing this whole dance of I know Buddy, yada, yada, yada. The family, you're now learning that they're going to be in the rest of the movie, too. Because I thought through the first scene that it was just going to be, oh, one off. And then, no, the family is going to be in this movie the whole time. So to what you just said, after the dinner, Clump and Miss Purdy talk about things regarding Buddy Love, and Clump says that he will fix things with the two. That's all Sherman needs to hear to bring Buddy Love back despite Jason's apprehension to the results. We are at the Ritz. Sherman is 40 minutes late, and Buddy Love has to step in and sell the pitch. Have you ever seen somebody as thirsty as that dean to get that $10 million? You had never met Buddy Love. You had never seen Buddy Love before. All you know is, hey, this guy knows his thing. Hey, go talk to the biggest donor that we have left. That man was eager to get that coin. He needed it. 10 mil, too. I he, was, he was ready to do whatever. I put right here in point blank period. Clump is an absentee professor. <laughs> he ain't never around. He's ne- I mean, he's running late to the he's running late to his own class. He was 20 minutes late the first time. Then the second time the class had already gone away, this is when the dean threatens to kill him, not just 
uh, metaphorically kill him, but actually kill him. He said he's going to strangle him to death. <laughs> there was a couple <laughs> things the, prof- the dean said in this movie. I mean, off rip, the dean goes, you fat tub of goo. You, could you say that in 2023? No, the dean would have got fired. <laughs> the dean would have been fired. Sherman Club would have went to HR and got the dean removed almost immediately. Yeah, Buddy Love, and this is where we continue to see that spiraling. Maybe as he continues to take the shots of the blue stuff, the testosterone gets worse and worse, or he's more sensitive to it, or he needs to take more to be able to find wherever Buddy Love is in him. Um, he gives Jada no attention throughout this whole thing, too. That's the thing that stood out to me about the scream. And then again in this dinner scene, he spends more time with everybody else. Buddy Love spends more time with everybody else but Jada, and somehow she's still kind of interested. She's attracted to the energy, you know? Like, you got to think about it. Clump's energy is, like, unassuming, not really confident in himself. Where Buddy, he comes in and he's the man. Like, there's a spotlight on him. He can make her, you know what I mean? Like, there. There was something about him, you know what I mean, that I think really drew him to him. But you're right. Like, Buddy Love is a a terrible character. He's a funny comedy character. But, like, in terms of his his personality, no, he was absolutely terrible. So Carla walks out on Buddy Love as Buddy Love is getting completely out of control. It's morning time now. Sherman Clump finds himself in bed with Buddy Love's evening. Carla comes up to check on Sherman, and they have a falling out. Sherman is then fired from his job. You know what, man? Things aren't looking good for the big fella. Sherman, going back to the well to check the video one more time, he finds a video that he left for himself as Buddy Love, which leads him to pour out the last of his formula. But he doesn't. They never really explain this, and maybe it's just a comedy. You're not going to explain every single thing. How did the potion cause him to basically lose all memory? They didn't explain, and they also didn't explain that, like, Sherman and Buddy Love were two different people for a while. It it, it was, when we first met Buddy Love, it was Sherman acting as, it was Sherman acting as being thin. You know, he's saying, I'm thin, I'm thin, I'm thin. Like, you can hear Sherman still in there. But as he continues to drink the stuff and continues to take it, it's almost as if, well, it's not almost as if Buddy Love comes around and it's like there's two different people in there. They kind of introduced that halfway through. I didn't like that. Uh, and, of course, there's a reason why we're doing this movie on this podcast. Couple two, a couple quotes that stood out to me. Buddy does have a lot of love to give. I thought that was clever and, and funny. I have two. I had two titties. Now I have six. It's just the peak of, like, this testosterone overload, uh, horned up dog that Buddy Love is. I just wish they would have d- spent a little bit more time on, like, the dichotomy of Sherman's in there, Clump's in there, blah, 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 blah. Which I think at the end makes that final scene just more like, I don't know how you could have ended this movie in a way that just wasn't over the top and hokey, but him in the final scene getting in a fight with himself and he's talking to himself and he's smacking himself. I, it just didn't really do a lot for me. Maybe it did in 96, and when I saw this movie in the early 2000s, I just don't remember. Kind of like the CGI. But watching it. it now, I was like, this is just weird. Like, this isn't funny to me. Like, this isn't a good way to kind of sell this off. I wish there was a way, like, if they had done a little bit more with the experiment and, hey, why is his voice changing? Why is his body changing? Like, we never really figured out what the formula was. He obviously was really close to figuring it out. Like, you go from how big he was to then Eddie Murphy. Oh, you, yeah. you were real close to figuring it out and really being able to help people. You know what I mean? But they never really 
it, it was more of just a comedic thing than just trying to kind of push maybe more of a more heartfelt message there. It feels like there could have been a couple different endings, though. Like, I was waiting for them to come back around to Shelly. I was waiting for them to come back around to the rap somehow and, like, go full circle on, like, yes, he sent a heartfelt message about wanting to love himself and all that, but it just felt like there could have been another way to accomplish it. The The family being there and everybody just kind of watching while Eddie Murphy goes through this whole thing. All the other characters kind of turned into just the same jokes that they relied on, the family humor, the dad and the mom. It just felt like they could have maybe put a bow on it in a different way. Sherman tells Carla that he has to learn to accept who he is. Carla asks Sherman to dance. He gets the grand, and love wins in the end, and that is the end of The Nutty Professor. We never see them kiss. She kisses She kisses Buddy Love. She kisses Club, Buddy Love, date one. But she never kisses Clump. She kisses him on the cheek. I was waiting for that. How do you think how do you think things end for Carla and Sherman? I think they just end as friends. Probably. Yeah, I think they just end as friends. I think they maybe date for a couple of months and she just, you know, I think it just I think it just ends. I think the love kind of fizzles out. They work together too, which is kinda that adds a little something to it. We know it. that. We never saw her in any kind of capacity as somebody who worked at <laughs> like the grad professor. Yeah, yeah, we never learned. We never saw her. <laughs> we saw her. Jason working the most. Yo, Jason was the most professor-like person in this entire movie. Like, she tells us how much she loves his work. We never see Jada Pickett in any capacity that would make us think she was an academic. She was just eye candy. She was just, she was somebody for Eddie Murphy to fight over, whether it was Sherman Klump or Buddy Love. This movie was given a 64% on Rotten Tomatoes based on reviews by 55 critics with an average rating of 5.9 out of 10. The site's consensus states, The Nutty Professor falls back on juvenile humor eagerly and often, but Eddie Murphy's consistently funny work in dual roles means more for the audience to love. I think that's where the movie ultimately shines. The movie ultimately shines when Eddie Murphy has the ability to play other characters. Like, we've seen him do that before. Coming to America is him playing multiple characters. Yeah. They took something of what's worked in other movies and tried to extrapolate it out and tried to create those moments. But that's where this movie, to me, shines the best, is when Eddie Murphy is not only playing himself, but playing other people. This is his magnum. They gave him more runway, if you will, than in other movies where the same device might have been used. And it worked. I thought, and of course we'll give our, our best performance and our worst performance, but I thought my favorite performances from him were those ancillary characters. It wasn't Buddy Love or Sherman Klump. It was kind of some of the other people that they sprinkled in to kind of break up the main monotony of the story. And I thought, look, if you're going to this movie and you're paying in 1996 to go to the box office and see Nutty Professor, you want Eddie Murphy. And you got Max Eddie Murphy. Yeah, and you probably left in 96 really happy with this movie. So Roger Ebert Gave this movie a three out of four stars and said, quote, a movie that's like a thumb to the nose for everyone who said Eddie Murphy had lost it. He's very good. And the movie succeeds in two different ways. It's sweet and good hearted. And then again, it's raucous slapstick and bathroom humor. I liked both parts. Peter Travers of Rolling Stones also gave the movie a positive review. Quote, Eddie Murphy is fun again. Sadly, he lacks the guts to follow through on the cathartic self-satire that gives the film its distinction. I'm stunned that Roger Ebert liked this movie in 1996. This just doesn't doesn't seem like a movie he would have liked. Critically acclaimed is not what I would have associated with the Nutty Professor. I'm I'm completely stunned to go back and do this. So actually, we have changed up the awards a little Uh, bit since you've done it. So this is is how we do it now. It's kind of the same thing. There's a repackage. So we do when a hero comes along. Give me a person, 
thing, scene that you thought tried to save this movie. So I'm going to give it to the family. I thought the family was funny. I thought each of the individual family characters, I thought they had, even though you know it's Eddie Murphy, I thought they had their own distinct personality. The mom is very different than the father. The uncle is very different from the father. The grandmother's humor. I thought that was their clear goal of, hey, Eddie, we need you to go be these five. This movie is about you. This movie is not about anybody else. This movie is about you and how audiences will respond to you. I thought he nailed it when necessary. I think that's the star of the movie. I agree. I had it written down as the grandma or the mom because they brought in that emotional side to it. I specifically will name the scene after the first dinner scene, the mom and and Clump are on the porch. And she's, I mean, it doesn't even feel like that's the same person in a way. Like, I had to remind myself, like, oh, this is Eddie Murphy playing both sides of this, but the mom gives you that heartfelt, traditional mom talk about, hey, don't worry about your weight. You know, you're you. Be true to yourself. And I thought it really, as you said, it, it, it brought Murphy to the to the forefront. It shined him. It gave him the platform to kind of show his versatility, show both sides, and not just have to be that slapstick, slapstick bathroom humor guy, but you can also bring a little depth to the character of multiple roles. So now we do doing too much and give me a person thing or scene that you thought was doing too much. The Godzilla scene just didn't really do much for me. I thought we went to the videotape daydream. Well, a little bit too much. You can have one of those scenes in the movie. Don't get me wrong. You can have one of them. They had three of them in the movie. I think that was doing a little bit too much. I also am not really sure if we needed the second dinner scene. Like, as great as the first dinner scene was, I think you leave that as that. And I thought they maybe tried to do the coming America where we go back to the barbershop. But the barbershop was just consistent every single time. It was good. I don't think the second dinner scene is nearly as iconic, nearly as good as the first one. So I'm going to give the the uh, the uh, television mechanism. And I thought the movie kind of went back to the well a couple too many times in this one. I thought the dad was probably doing a little too much, and he was almost just turned into a one-dimensional, yo, I'm disgruntled, I don't want to be here, I'm going to nag on my wife and my wife's mom, and he just felt kind of lazy and and felt like we need to fill out this room, we need to fill out this table, we need to have a couple different family members or a couple different varieties. I didn't really love the dad character, so I'll say he was doing too much. Now we go to the rating. This movie is a 5.5 on IMDb, or 5.7. This movie is a 5.7 on IMDb. That's hugging that line. Yeah, 5.7 on IMDb. Is that too much, too little, or just right for Nutty Professor? To me, it's just right. Um, I don't think that this movie has aged well, and I wrote that down a couple of times. I don't think audiences in the club, I don't think audiences in in the college scene would react the same way to kind of the fat shaming portion of it. But they, it, it didn't ride that the entire time. We got some of the feel-good of the exercise. We got the feel-good of his relationship and kind of coming to terms with self-love and that kind of stuff with Carla. I thought 5.7 kind of sat right considering what the jokes were and kind of going back to the well with some of the same mnemonic devices. I'm with you. I think that this is. I think this movie is appropriately rated. I think it's in the 5.5, 5.7 range. Like, I'm not going to say it's too high if I think it should be a 5.5. I think it's about in that range. How often this, do you rewatch this movie, though? Yeah, like, you just watched this movie in the lead-up to this podcast. Are you going back to it before the end of the year? Yeah, I probably would watch the clips. Like, I'm big, like, watch clips okay. on YouTube kind of person. But I would only watch the clips of the scenes that, like, I remember. Like, I kind of based, like, a big reason why I wanted to do this was based off the dinner scene. And I like the Dave Chappelle, Eddie Murphy part. 
I just forgot about the other stuff. The other stuff to me is just average. I think this movie is rated fair. I think it's a five point. Like even if it's on halfway through, like if you're flipping through the channels, I don't even know if people still do that flipping through the channels. But if you're flipping through the channels and like it's in the dinner, it's in the family scene, are you sticking with it for the rest of the movie, or are you just getting your feel good and then getting out? Yeah, no, I would definitely just do that. And I mean, I think if we just if we go through IMDb and we kind of look at Eddie Murphy movies. This movie probably is in line with Coming to America is better than this. Beverly Hills, Beverly Hills Cop is better than this. 48 oh, Hours yeah. is better than this. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, if we looked at the way that IMDb ranks this movies, I'm going to guess the movie's probably like ninth or 10th on his list. I was going to say it's like top 10, but it's in that, like, Matt Ryan, 9, 10, 11, And I think that, that's about fair. Yeah, I think that's I about agree. fair for uh, this Eddie Murphy movie. That is another episode of the good uh, of the Bad Movies Worst Opinions podcast where we believe that everybody has their favorite bad movie. Do us a favor. Give us a like, review. Do all the things that podcasters tell you to do. Next week, we are doing Godzilla, the 1990s oh, version of Godzilla. <laughs> I actually saw this movie in the movie theater. I have, I've only seen it one time, so I'm very excited to go back and rewatch the movie Godzilla. Is Rob going to be back for that one or should I just prep up? I don't know where Rob is going to be next week. Rob is gone like all next week, so I'm not really sure where Rob is going to be for this thing. I thought you did sports movies on this podcast. No, we've only done like two sports movies. We did semi-pro and we did major league two. And then we're doing Mr. 3000 for the all-star break, the baseball all-star break. That's why I can't wait to watch it. (laughs) 